0: Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. We got a lot of chaos that just went on uh, tonight. So, I was at the Rangers game, so I have no idea what exactly transpired. But the U.S. has been eliminated from World Cup competition and what can only be described as a monumental upset since they played the worst team in their actual group qualification stage and somehow lost and knowing that they only needed to draw the match to qualify for the world cup this was about as simplistic a task as possible for the u.s team knowing that they were going to be playing at trinidad tobago side that had already packed it in they've been eliminated for months now and had nothing to play for so uh i'm gonna do a a bit of a departure from the show since I did not watch and watch uh, watch the match. I'm actually going to do a uh, call a friend segment for uh, my buddy Carlos, who is a Portugal and Brazil supporter, and obviously follows U.S. soccer as well, hoping that they'll be good someday. Which I already think is a pipe dream, but oh, this this should be glorious, glorious sound bites of uh, U.S. soccer. And Sunil Gulati bashing because somebody's getting fired in U.S. soccer. I don't know exactly who's getting fired, but somebody's getting fired because this U.S. team sucked. There's no nice way of putting it. Uh, I mean, the fact that Christian Pulisic has such a lousy supporting cast at this stage of his young career where he has no veterans that are of any worth because Josie Altador, complete waste of space, and Michael Bradley has not been good for at least two and a half years. It's been that blatantly apparent. But, you know, got a lot to talk about. So uh going to do a phone-in segment, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get the conversation started shortly. All right, Los, got you on the line now. Tell me what the fuck just happened, because I really would like to know how the U.S. managed to lose to a Trinidad and Tobago squad that has been out of qualification for months basically barely trains because so many guys are injured and for the most part was just going to be packing it in so exactly how did they generate pressure on a U.S. squad that basically all they had to do was ball control and just wait out this game because you know I saw that there was an own goal and from the looks of it it looked like Howard was out of position on it anyway but I you know just take me through exactly how the first ten minutes of the game went, because you know in terms of basic strategy the u s just needed to control the pace of play and just wear out Trinidad instead of trying to get all the goals at once
0: well, I mean listen like most uh like most things, there's no one answer um, I think that it was a game where uh we didn't play well. We didn't play hard. And then, yeah, I mean, things went against us. I mean, that wasn't just an own goal. That was one of those, you know, freak bounces where, I mean, you couldn't have done any better if you were trying to place it exactly where it went with exactly the pace and exactly the arc that it had.
2: So, yeah. I mean, you know, Well, yeah, it did have a funky bounce to it. There's no question about, like, where that ball eventually arced over to. But it just seemed like there was – not a whole lot of communication going on on the back line when that initial play-in happened.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be a trend that happened, you know, as we go further into analyzing the game, you know, the entire game basically. The back line was in shambles. I mean, they were uh, watching the game, spectating way too much. Um, you know, I was watching some of the coverage afterwards. And the one moment that everyone's harping on, and I, I get why, was where Howard, who by the way had a horrible game,
2: you know, that um, that's nothing new for qualification. It is like uh, if Brad Guzan was not the backup, Tim Howard would not be playing. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Well, but that, but that's another story about the lack of depth on this team. team. But uh, we'll we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, no.
0: So the, getting back to the moment I was talking about, I mean, there's that. Um, that set piece where you know Howard bobbles it, and then the ball just kind of comes loose in the box. And not only is Howard the only one chasing down the ball all the <laughs> way out outside the box, I, 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 but you don't you don't even see anyone else on screen, not even for the beginning of that play, but all the way through uh, until basically Howard kicks it out of bounds for about a good five or six. I matches. I honestly looks like a one on one soccer game.
2: I honestly thought there was a whistle blown because there was nobody in the picture. You, you, you'd swear there was no one else playing in that game because I'm literally watching that highlight. I was like, well, that's a little bit bizarre. Like, did did they blow the whistle and no one heard it? Because, like, no one else was even committed to that play. And Howard's, like, literally defending by himself.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it looked like a good amount of players on our team just don't want to go to Russia. You know, like, ah, you know, they don't like us. Uh, It's cold there, even though it's summer during the World Cup. I just don't. I've got better things to do because I really can't explain, um, you know, some of the performances. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, we. you know, I don't know if you want to get into this, but, you know, we would have done much at the World Cup anyway, and it might be.
2: I don't uh, even think we would have gotten a draw in the World Cup, Cup. but that's another story. Depending on the group we could have been assigned to, there's a good chance we would have gone over and not even drew a game. I'm sorry, buddy. I missed that last part. No, no. I, I was saying it's like, depending on the group we could have been uh, drawn into of, with the selection process of usually how CONCACAF ends up getting draws for the World Cup, we might have gotten in a group where we just go over because, you know, we would have been like that group where you just throw it in with a heavy favorite and we just get mauled.
0: Into I haven't looked into, uh, you know, the, the mechanism that does that in a while. But, yeah, I mean, the way this team is playing, the way it's structured, I mean,
2: um, I, you know, I don't think it would be a pre-World Cup anyway. I mean, well, the, that was the other thing. is like, by the time the World Cup would have taken place, you would have had, like, basically Tim Howard, Demarcus Beasley. I, I mean, there, there's some, there might have been even a chance that Arena would have... Kept Zeusy for the squad, which again, it kind of speaks to, you know, where is the depth on the U.S. men's uh, national team roster that we have this many uh, number of veterans who are far past their prime playing in critical games because there's no one else that, you know, between Klinsman was basically playing a yo yoing between different lineups every single game so you never knew who had a good standing where because he he didn't have a good feel for the team and then arena just saying i'm going back to the mls guys essentially yeah
0: and, and it's funny um during the post-game press conference i don't know if you got a chance to catch it um you know arena who looked like just like a a dog who had no life left in him uh was basically like saying and i don't i, I really didn't how he was saying this, that you know by the time the World Cup came around, if we had gotten into it, you know this team would have been uh, a much different squad. There were a lot of young players kind of you know pushing uh, into the squad, and I was thinking to myself, wait a second, that's like eight nine months from now. I mean, you know, if those players are showing that much potential,
2: so why not pick them now? <laughs> uh, okay, no, I I didn't hear that press conference, but I I I I, I find that very hilarious that for what really amounts to a cakewalk of a qualifying process that you didn't trust those players to play in those games but you would have trusted them to play against the literally the best in the world in a couple of months you would have trusted them to uh, play in those matchups if if, is basically that's what he was getting at essentially is that he would have remade over the entire roster
0: (laughs) <laughs> you know, sort of leaking negative stories left and right. Where Arena was basically leaking his own negative stories just begging to be put out of his misery.
2: Well, I, I mean, the amount of uh, guys who are going to get fired after this qualification process, it, it, it's it's going to be up there. I mean, I mean, gal- well, I think, I, I, I mean, because, you know, from the day that Arena got hired, I was just, it was just more apathy because I, I looked at it I was like, you know, obviously they're not going to do anything because all Arena's going to do is just try to peddle the same MLS style format of, we're going to play the ball deep, we're going to try to keep an impact, and then hope that something breaks for us <laughs> and we're going to score a goal. <laughs> Sorry, I I missed that last part again. It's Uh, breaking up a little bit. Oh, yeah, no. What I was saying is, like, uh, you know, Arena was going to be in that same mindset of uh, MLS format of we're going to play a long ball, we're going to pack it in deep, and then hope that they cause a turnover, and then get a a quick counter break and score a goal. Because that's really what he does. There's there's nothing imagined about the way the U.S. uh, style plays under Arena. It's just more, more or less along the lines of, you kind of hope that you pick uh, pick apart on the crappy teams and then you hope that you can d- get a draw against someone that's decent.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I think there's going to be a lot of talk about style of play and uh, effort and having an identity. I mean, you know, we if I, if I
2: hear one problem. more discussion on grit from Alexi Lawless, I'm going to go, I'm probably going <laughs> to slam my head into a wall. <laughs>
0: And claim that there's no role uh, in football for, you know, having a tactically uh, well-trained side, a side that works hard, a side that kind of, you know, the collective may be bigger than the sum of its parts. But at the same time, you do need a base level of talent. And I, I just think that some of these guys um, are just, you know, just not good enough. And it's a, it's a tired group of, you know, uh, it, it lack of talent and lack of of, of uh of uh heart. So it's it's really both. It's not one or the other. You know, someone like altador I mean a dude is twenty seven. He's built like a tank.
2: And goes down like a lamb.
0: But he's 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 soft. He's soft and he's and he doesn't have the kind of skill to be able to just be nonchalant about the game. So um you know it's it's a bit of both
2: to be honest. I am I'm, I'm actually that's, that's one of my few uh, highlights of not having to watch this team much longer is the fact that I don't have to watch out the door just collapse over someone merely getting in his way and then looking at the ref as if he's going to get a call.
0: Yeah, but you know what? He's the one guy that I really dislike uh, from this, you know, I guess core um, that sadly, unless they make a bold move and just say, you know, we're going to spawn from the out the door era. I mean, he's young enough where he probably will be part of that team that tries to qualify for 2022.
2: Yes, sadly he will be. I just don't think he'll be the focal point. I, I think he'll be more of a reserve player because I would, I would hope that the, <laughs> I would hope that at in about three years we would have developed someone to actually play in as a central striker, other than door, And I'm not talking Bobby Wood either. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean listen, I, I I, like Bobby Wood. Um, you know, he's one of those you know, players I was describing earlier as an if only player. You know, you you said it's best, I think, if, if only Bobby Wood could finish really well. Like if he had a really good, you know, <laughs> final ball, uh, yeah. you know, that great calm under pressure and ability to, to finish strikes, you know, he'd be a very good player. Yeah, you know. But,
2: but that's the thing, is like for a striker, uh, that's not something you can train a striker to be able to uh do. It's like you you can either finish or you can't finish. I don't think that's something you can actually train uh, for a striker. It's like that's more natural ability of sensing a moment of when you can go in for the attack and just finish a playoff.
0: Oh yeah, no, you know what he is basically? He's like the bizarre world Iguain. Iguain only knows how to play. Yes, the guy uh... is fast. He can't run. He, he's slow and has no work <laughs> rate. Doesn't care at all about the game. But if you put the ball on his foot in the box, it's going in the net. Well, well, and, well and, you know, Bobby Wood is like the opposite. He's like the guy who will run the channels all day long. He's PC. There's a lot to his game that you'd like and you're rooting for him. But, you know, he just doesn't have that, that scoring rate that you need from a striker.
2: Yeah, we can get into Argentina a bit later. But Iguain is one of those players where I look at it as like, yeah, you don't want him for qualifying, but in, in a World Cup situation, he, you actually would want a guy like him on your squad. <laughs>
0: are, are you talking about if you're an Argentina supporter or if you are playing against Argentina? No, no, if you're an
2: Argentina... Some of Argentina's
0: biggest, you know, uh, heartbreaks of the last decade. And you could ask Adrian Foley about this. Oh, yeah. It's been basically Uganin, the guy... Oh, no, no, goes,
2: no. He has he blow, blown so many chances in World Cups. But... Usually in 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 actual club competitions, he actually comes through. It's usually on the World Cup stage that he's completely blown it. But he's at least in the at least in the mix of generating something, which is what you want in a World Cup setting. He's like you actually want the guy to actually be in a position to do something. It's just that he hasn't. He's been utterly incapable of doing it. He just he just does it in club competition. But that's why I, I I want to get into the Argentina business a bit later, uh, just because of how ridiculous it had to come down to for World Cup qualifying that Messi literally had to do everything himself to actually get that team in there. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that uh, uh, a little bit later, if not tomorrow. But uh, the one thing I, I kind of want to go back to on the U.S. side is just in terms of where we go from here, because... Like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of heads rolling over this. I don't think uh, Sunil Gulati, the head of uh, uh, U.S. soccer, is actually going, which is honestly the number one thing that should have happened years ago. But I I don't think uh, Gulati goes. I I think he still stays on, but he finds someone else to blame uh, because Klinsman was his guy. It didn't work out. He managed to survive that. Uh, he he goes with Arena as the panic pick just to qualify. The, uh, this uh, this also backfires. I still think Galati survives just because of how lackadaisical U.S. soccer seems to be. But, you know, the the thought process that I, I think many people have kind of leaned to, and I think you mentioned this as well, is that maybe this is the wake-up call U.S. soccer actually needs. But, uh, like, what do you think, it, it, like, ultimately we're... U.S. goes in the next 18 months uh, after this debacle. Because, I mean, this is about as low as U.S. soccer can get.
0: Yeah, I mean, in terms of, I guess, recent history, I I can't remember what the stat was. I think it's the first time since 86 that we don't make the World Cup. So there is a legitimate argument for this being the the lowest point, you know, in our lifetime. Um, as, As far as where they go, I have no idea. Um, I know where they should go. And, and it really, you know, requires a complete shakeup in the entire system. Right. Um, and I'm glad you brought out Giladi because, you know, it has to start the stop. And, you know, I've never understood why U.S. soccer is content with um, just having some dude as a, as, as, a, as like a major figure in U.S. soccer. You know, it started with, with Blazer. I mean, you know, to be fair, he was, he was kind of the early stages of, of whatever U.S. soccer was going to become, but, but Chuck Fazer was just some dude. He was just some dude from Long Island, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, um, and, and Gulati is, I believe, a professor, right, an economics professor? Yeah. I mean, why can't we find someone who has been, you know, in soccer? Where soccer has been there. <laughs> so,
2: life, like, so, someone um, who actually knows the game. It would actually be nice.
0: Kind of
2: rebuild this thing. It, I mean, and that was the thing, it was like, Part of the the bill of goods that we were sold on with uh, Jürgen Klinsmann, uh, the former U.S. men's national team coach, was that Klinsmann was going to bring the German-style, pragmatic style of building up a soccer federation to U.S. soccer and start at the camp level. And essentially what ended up happening was more uh, Klinsmann kind of playing favorites and saying that he was frustrated with how U.S. soccer approached things. Now, that was Klinsman's side of the story, but, you know, the more you kind of see how the lack of development on his team has gone along, you, you kind of see where Klinsman eventually went with was just taking guys who had played abroad and making them U.S. citizens uh, uh, or or having to dual citizenship, rather, and just bringing them on to the national team because he saw at the lo- local level, it was like, I can't work with these guys. Th- th- these guys are going to get me embarrassed.
0: Well, you know, it's funny, you know, that we, uh, you know, supposedly brought Klingsman in to, you know, transform our football, you know, and play the German way. When as Klingsman is leaving and out the door in Germany, they're kind of shaking things up. They're not necessarily playing the German way, you know. Um, they completely revamped their entire system. They, they took a very introspective look, um, and and they broke everything up. They they started from the ground up. And they don't necessarily play that kind of plodding, pragmatic, you know, get the ball to the wings and frost it in football that Germany played for decades. I mean, they have incredibly skillful players that, you know, at times play tiki-taka and put back heel goals. And, you know, it's an incredibly skillful squad now. I don't think there, you know, is that sense of uh, an approach to the game the way they used to be. I think they're just really good. And, you know, in terms of U.S. soccer, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, building an identity and having, you know, everyone fall in line. Everyone's got to play this way. Um, you know, that's great. I that players develop more for whatever players are going to be. I mean, Brazil has done it forever, and they've developed great players. Um, I, I just think that the people that are making
2: Yeah, no, I I agree with you there because, uh, you know, for the most part, I feel as though U.S. soccer just looks at it from the mindset of, well, we have soccer camps, we have players that we think are going to be good. Eventually, if we give them enough time playing together, they'll be good. Whereas in other countries, they kind of develop these players and hone on the fact that you know, you need to be playing together, whereas with the U.S., it, it seems to be more or less along the lines of, hey, we got a guy. He might be good, and, you know, let's focus all of our attention and efforts on this one guy here, and maybe this will be the next coming to uh, get us where we need to be going, rather than actually developing a mindset of this is how everyone needs to be playing, and let's see who's the best out of the best out of this group, because, you know, as a whole, the U.S. top-down is just lacking depth everywhere. It's like, I, I can't think of a single spot outside of uh, Pulisic where the U.S. doesn't need a massive overhaul in players. It's like, you have one or two players, but, it, I mean, honestly, we didn't even have that many injuries in this qualifying campaign uh, to speak of, and we still didn't really have anyone to go to. That that That's the scary part, is the fact that, everyone was relatively healthy and we you know there was really no one to go to on the bench and and I and I think that was part of the reason why Klinsman was like just throwing darts on the board to see you know with all these different pairings is anyone actually good enough to play on this squad because I I think I think I think he saw I think he saw the veterans just being more uh, of a drag than a
0: It's a slow build-up a game. game. Okay, we're trying to do this. We're trying. I know where the ball's going to go before it even gets to the player who's eventually going to kick it. You know, we don't have guys who can do it for a quick turn and, and, and a little nice little one-two. And obviously, Pulisic can do it, but he he learned his craft in Germany.
1: Yes, you
0: know, that's where he kind of completed his game, not
2: in the U.S. You know exactly. It's like Pulisic is a byproduct of coaching elsewhere. <laughs> it's a and we got to look at it's it like, hey, this is our guy, and it's like, no, he's not really your guy. He's more of an import. He just happens to be U.S. born player, but that's not necessarily something you can hang your hat on. And I and I think that's the issue with U.S. soccer is they they want to hang their hat on things that they aren't actually directly responsible for. But
0: but if you're gonna try and you know develop these guys, and and you think you're gonna use the current coaches you have. The current method you have, it's just a matter of changing, you know, your approach to these players. It's not going to work. You have to start at a higher level. You have to literally, you know, come up with a system um, and a structure where you're going to develop good coaches first. And now this is a long game. This isn't isn't a play for 2022. This is like, you know, spend the next five or six years just developing good coaches. And then after that, you might only see the fruits of that reward. In another, you know, 10 or 12 years. Uh, But that's what you need to do. You just need to have better coaches that know how to teach the skills at the highest level. I mean, my country, Portugal, we have a population like, I don't even know. It's like as small as in New York City. We're the size of Connecticut. And we're a world power because we have some of the world's best coaches and best systems. And and our our academies are fantastic. That's what the U.S. needs to do.
2: Hey. Jesse March is working on becoming coach in Denmark. Don't you quit watching the U.S. coaches.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. You know. Uh,
2: Yeah. I'll say
0: right now, I've seen coaching in the U.S. that is a complete embarrassment. Now, I wasn't at a super high level, but even, you know, Bronxville High School, uh, when I played there, was a.
2: The mean uh, streets.
0: You know, it's not the best, but it's.
2: It's a second tier, and our coach knew nothing about football. Play the ball long. <laughs> <laughs> Over the top. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, because I know we're getting kind of deep into it. Uh, let's uh, uh, do a quick wrap-up with uh, just Argentina in general because, again, uh, just to uh, inform the folks who are familiar with the World Cup qualifying process, that. Top four teams in uh, the different regions qualify. Argentina was basically on the outside looking in the entire way through the qualifying process, even though they have one of the deepest squads. my, My thing was that I wasn't quite sure about with Argentina was the fact that how they managed to have so many strikers unavailable for the qualifying process, given how deep their squad is supposed to be. Is it hurt right now? Is that what it is? Yeah, Iguain was out and Aguero was out. Aguero should have been available multiple times and it didn't look like he was playing in all those games. That that's why I was very confused as to what Argentina was trying to do in the qualification process, because they made it seem like our, Messi was good enough to carry the entire team all the way through the qualifying process without actually having to play everyone else on the team, which to me, again, you know, yes, Messi is, you know, uh, top uh, top two uh, in the world, if not the best in the world, depending on who you want to talk to. But, you know, I, I just looked at the qualification process for Argentina and some of the results they were getting. I'm like, wait, why are they fielding this squad when, you know, there are so many other guys that could be brought in just to uh, get guarantee some of these results. And the fact that they had to play and get a win against Ecuador tonight is ridiculous. I mean, it should have never gotten to this level. I mean, and yeah, they'll be able to reload. Correct yeah,
0: correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe last World Cup,
2: they qualified in the playoff round versus Australia. Yes, that, so, but but that, that was my th- that was my point. It's like it was they were replaying the exact same thing last World Cup. It's like I, I thought they would have learned their lesson by now that you actually have to play your starters.
0: Well, they, but listen, Dwayne, they, they have as well. They, it's not like they've, they've benched Aguero every game. You know, I, I don't think that's, you know, their excuse. I think that the one criticism I've had of Messi over Ronaldo, uh, and don't get me wrong, Messi's an amazing player. Uh, you know, I'm so of to play, but I'm biased in, in half forces that Brazilian uh, that, you know, Ronaldo and maybe some other players you know have some Avengers of Messi in terms of their legacy Messi hasn't
2: For not carrying these guys. Roy Hodgson disagrees.
0: Magisterial BR than a monitor <laughs> in high heels and a pink tutu.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just playing random sound bites from Roy Hodgson because that's the level of analysis that usually goes into messy, uh messy qualifications. <laughs>
0: Game today, I was watching. I was at you know, Emma, and I was with Brazilian people. and We were all rooting against Argentina, obviously. Yeah. And when I'm seeing Messi score these three goals, it kind of reminded me of the scene in you know Billy Madison, where they're having the competition, and that weasel guy is like really good at playing the instrument. And <laughs> really, like, <laughs> blows on it and goes, "Yes, yeah, he's good."
2: Oh man. what it felt like. Oh God. No. you know what that's a good place to leave it. Oh man. Uh alright, Los. I will hit you up another time. Thanks again. Uh I, I, I gotta do my uh my rants on the Giants and uh the, the baseball coming up uh tomorrow. So uh we, we 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 got we got some more stuff to catch up on, but uh uh have a good one.
0: Alright,
2: thanks for having me. Alright, later. All right, well, that was the phone-to-friend section uh, of the show. So, I mean, yeah, in terms of what this means overall, it, basically U.S. soccer is pretty much dead and buried for the next 12 months because with missing out on the World Cup, I, I mean, basically U.S. soccer has to completely reevaluate evaluate what's going on in their program because literally, to not be able to qualify in CONCACAF, which is pretty much the dredges of world soccer, and, you know, Mexico uh, would not want to classify themselves that way, but it, it's pretty much accepted the fact that no one really respects CONCACAF in, in terms of an actual conf- uh, a football conference. It, it's. You know, it's Europe and you, you got South America. The CONCACAF is pretty much uh, at the bottom and it's not close. It, so the fact that the U.S. couldn't qualify out of this group where you just have bottom-feeding teams and the teams that we're losing out to being uh, Panama, which we just beat 4-0, four, four I, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing, but, uh, uh, you know... In terms of uh, where we go from here, uh, it's anyone's guess, but it's it's going to uh, take a little while for it to, to kind of ban out. So, anyway, I will get into football stuff uh, as, uh, with the NFL and fantasy uh, in a future podcast, probably tomorrow night, uh, just while so I soak in everything that went on today. So, uh, that's all for now, and uh, have a good night, everybody.
1: the most talked-about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought-after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll, <laughs> I'll take Giselle, okay? Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as
2: far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now?
1: The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks, and it always been put on quarterbacks, is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and Co- Co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance.